powered by Sports Interaction, Canada Sportsbook. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Game Over Winnipeg. Um, after a, a frustrating loss, the Jets lose, unfortunately, to the Toronto Maple Leafs 4-1 to in kind of a crazy game. Um, I would say uh, another tale of two games for the Winnipeg Jets here tonight. Um, first of all, in case you were wondering, we were supposed to have Steve Dangle on uh, on the show with us here today. Uh, unfortunately, he is uh, violently ill today. <laughs> um, so we're really hoping for a quick recovery by him. But uh, unfortunately, it's you're stuck with just us two. Um, and in more tragic news, no LFR either because Steve is sick. So is, like, is he not doing also, an LFR? He no, not, he's not, not at all. Wow. I, I knew I, don't I, think so. I knew it was up in the air, but, uh, you know, well, I guess we'll see what happens. But um, from what I had spoken with him, uh, things were not going well. Uh, and I'm sure he'll talk about it uh, later on. Anyways, thank you all for tuning in. We're going to break down this game, uh, especially from the Winnipeg Jets side of things. Uh, I'm sure there's plenty of uh, Toronto guys in chat, uh, you know, enjoying enjoying the the uh, the frustration and the sadness in my voice. Uh, you guys won. It was a good game. Your your goalie played great. The Jets got kind of hella bucked, which honestly kind of serves us right after uh, after us getting away with a lot. Plenty of times. Um, before we delve into the game, quick little uh, quick little question. You, you think you know which way it's going to go? Uh, make your bet with Sports Interaction, whether it's hockey, football, or basketball. Sports Interaction has you covered. Bet pregame, live, and play are on one of our many prop bets. Sports Interaction makes it easy to deposit, play, and cash out. Join now and see all the sports betting has to offer. Want to bet? Head to sportsinteraction.com SDPN. That's sportsinteraction.com SDPN. 19 plus. Please play responsibly. There we go. Um, if in case I forgot to mention it, uh, you're here with me. My name is Brady, uh, and my my fantastic co-host uh, Liss. Um, we're we're the the game over crew, and uh, we're gonna break down this fun fun <laughs> game. <laughs> uh, it's Liss, just always so much more annoying when it's the Leafs. Just it is. So it really. Hey, uh, I'm sure. I'm sure the the you know the Leafs have a lot of rivalries, but beating the Jets, uh, I'm sure there is not a lot that is much better to them, especially considering, you know, the Jets love to uh, <laughs> loves to play up to uh, Toronto and uh, we've got a lot of Toronto guys on the team. Um, what's the deal with uh, the Jets when they play in hometowns uh, and they just can't do well? Like there's the game against Detroit where all the Michigan guys played like crap. Uh, there's the, what was it? The Montreal game the other night was, I'll, I'll uh, not great. I, I'm lucky. I didn't get to watch that one and do the game over, uh, like was stinky. So yeah. <laughs> and then you have an, uh, a just, uh, awful game <laughs> by Mark Shifley tonight, uh, in his homecoming. Uh, and then of course, Cole Perfetti too, but uh, you know, that, that's another yeah. thing. Um, Liz, since you actually did the uh, you did the game over for Montreal, I wanted I wanted to know where you were kind of sitting, what your thoughts were coming into this game, um, what were you hoping to see from the Jets, uh, and um, just based on you know the previous game that was kind of a dud. Yeah, so like it's definitely the kind of thing like this is the longest road trip that the Jets have this year, um, and the fact that it started off on such an awful stinky poopy like i don't even know what you want to say <laughs> um no you know i was looking for more uh from the jets like la last game for those of you who are least friends in the chat who or if you're a jets fan like brady who didn't watch 
<laughs> um, it was a really poor game across the board from the Jets. They couldn't generate anything. They couldn't defend at the blue line. They couldn't. Um, their neutral zone play was very, very poor. They, their passes were not crisp. They couldn't generate a whole ton. Just pretty much everything that could have gone wrong went wrong. And I won't blame refs. I won't blame the other team. Like, Montreal was fine, I guess. But it's also they're literally the Laval rocket right now. Like, it's not. The Jets were just poor. Um, So going into this one, I was really hoping for a little bit more of everything um but if you want to look specifically at things i was just looking for a little bit better puck management as far as like control of the pucks once you actually get it in the new or in the defensive zone because that was one thing against the the habs that was really bad was you know there would be a puck in the corner or something like that and they would retrieve it but then they couldn't actually clear it or they couldn't actually make a pass out of it and then montreal would maintain the possession kind of thing so that specifically i was looking to see improve tonight and i was excited i felt good watching that first period and we all know how that second period looked i think you could have thrown me on the ice out there and you i would have blended right in with those guys um and it was poor and so yeah like you said at the beginning it was a bit of a crazy game in the sense that it was just the momentum was all over the place so i think that you know based on last game looking to see you know what could go worse and you know i didn't think the jets were overly bad in this game or anything like that there was some good there was some bad for sure but it definitely was not the bounce back performance i was hoping for yeah, there definitely was some bad. Uh, there was some good too. I, I I will give it to them. Um, we'll, we'll break. We'll kind of go period through period because I think that that's the best way to, uh, to talk about this game. For me personally, again, not having seen uh the the Habs game and just kind of hearing about it. Um, main thing for me, I know how uh you know the the reputation, the rivalry that these two teams kind of have together. Um, I was just looking to see that the Jets uh, were hopefully going to come play hard in this game, uh, not get caught up in too much of the, you know, the bullshit that happens um, that that can happen in a uh, Leafs Jets game. Um, and I was just hoping to see the Jets come out, play to stick to their game, uh, you know, drive, play, play hard. Um, and I think they did that for about 50, 45 minutes of the game tonight. Um I think we do have to start with the first period, obviously. Oh, you're, you're giving me a, a little look. Do you disagree? What? You said that you're good for 50 minutes of that game? Like, honestly, I thought the That's Jets... That's generous, but whatever. I thought the okay. Jets played, like, at least 45... Uh, actually, you know what? No, 40 minutes. That You're right. 40 minutes is, is a lot closer to yeah. kind of what we uh, we should look at. Um, But going back, you know, starting off, uh, you know, I was fired up for this game, and the first period had me, like... Like not shaking, but like just uh, absolutely like giddy. Uh, it, it was such an exciting period. Obviously, the Jets uh, ended up out shooting the Leafs um, like what sixteen to six. Uh, so Something it was like that. Yeah, it was a fantastic start by the team. This is exactly what uh, you want to see from the Jets when you know, especially in the past a little bit. Uh, Nate Schmidt, I remember having a quote a couple games ago saying that they're really focusing on how they come out and start the game. Uh, and the Jets started off the game really, really hard. Like, they had a great first period. And then what happened? <laughs> I'll let you take it from here, Liz. Do you want to get it? Because Brady and I texted each other. We texted the exact same thing we knew we were going to talk about. Do you want me to talk about it now already? Should we Should we hop in? Yeah, you know what? I think we should. I think I think we got to hop into the, 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 the topic, the key button story for this game. And I think it relates to a lot of the struggles the Jets have had in the past. Liz... One word. What is the Jets' problem in this game? Momentum. It was <laughs> momentum. Holy cow. Because like you said, second period, we're like, that was so bad. 
And the thing is that this is one thing that I think has been one of the biggest shifts from the Winnipeg Jets this year. You know, we could talk about the coaching change, the, you know, Josh Morrissey coming back, whatever. To me, across the board, this team doesn't beat themselves up as much as they used to. They used to defeat themselves every single game that they were losing. You know, if the Jets were down two nothing, you or like by two goals, you knew they weren't coming back because they were just like it was just so unmotivating to watch them and stuff like that. And that has been a huge, you know, breath of fresh air this year. I found that is, you know, this Jets team keeps pushing. And so that's why I'm a little bit concerned and frustrated about this game is because they played that strong first period where they were actually creating a ton. Samsonov, Samsonov, I don't remember how to pronounce his name, was very good in this game. Uh, and the Toronto Maple Leafs are a good team. But the Jets were, you know, punching them down in the first period. You know, Toronto Maple Leafs aren't bad or anything. They weren't horrendous in that first. But, like, the Jets looked really good across the board. Second period starts. They give up a goal early on. And it was game over after that. It was just like they were down and they were down. And it's the kind of thing where it's like, it's not like that was the only time the momentum shifted, right? When Kyle Connor scored that five-on-three goal, they were fantastic for, like, eight minutes after that. And mm-hmm. then it was just getting closer to the end of the game and you're down. Mitch Warner scores that goal. And then they were awful. So the momentum in this game was absolutely bonkers to me. And it was what defeated the Jets big time. Yeah. I think the Jets need to transition away from their games being this like Canada's Wonderland crazy three uh, theme park roller coaster ride where, you know, you're constantly going down, down, you're going crazy. And then you have these long moments of you have to go back up the hill. You have to go back up the hill. You got to get your momentum back. Um the Jets, by far, one of the things that that has you know, I, I think, is really stuck around from the you know the the old regime, the 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 Paul Maurice, Dave Lowry. I don't, I shouldn't mention Dave Lowry. I'm just gonna forget about him. The Paul Maurice era Jets um, were struggled with momentum. When they would get down, they would get down. And one of the big things is that I, I that's one of the like main points I see the Jets kind of reverting back to. Um, is their kind of Paul Maurice watch everything kind of crumble and then not really know how to pick up the pieces. Um, so yeah, so as soon as that, that goal goes in, Austin Matthews scores eight seconds into the, to the period, um, the Jets lost all momentum, right? Exactly. As you said, what I found even, even worse, what, what I, I, I really like what I noticed, um, was that the Jets after that, um, they were still struggling. They're still trying to get shots on. But it seemed like they kind of lost their creativity. They were constantly, um, whenever they had the puck on their sticks in the offensive zone, it it wasn't a look for the best option. It was get the puck on the net all, no matter what, let's try and get the momentum back in our favor. And against a goalie who's playing well, which by the way, I have no idea why the Washington Capitals let Ilya Samsonov go. Uh, he played fantastic tonight. Again, it's more than just one game, but he's been great all season for the Leafs. Um, like I just I just don't understand. Uh, I I mean I get it. The, the the Jets are just trying to do whatever they can to get back on the board, uh, but they just weren't. Uh, again, they were just behind the game. All all they could do was just try to throw pucks on net, uh, despite whether or not it was you know like a good opportunity. Um, the Jets heavily outshot the Leafs tonight, but I would like you know if you look at money puck, if you look at the expected goals they were almost dead even throughout the entire game. Like if you look at it, there's a couple points where the Jets, you know, you know, run away from uh, the Leafs, but the Leafs caught right back up almost immediately. Like this was a very, um, you know, despite the issues, despite the, uh, the breakdowns, um, a pretty even game all in all. Like I thought the Jets ran for two, two of the three periods, they ran the Leafs show. And, you know, 
you can discount the third period a little bit just because you know uh, one team is is up to two to three goals so yeah you're not they're not really pushing for offense but just looking at the start here like they still got as many expected goals they started at a pretty similar point in the third period and it was pretty even throughout there so again this is two really good teams uh facing each other and i thought that the jets for Oh, you're good. I uh, sorry, I I bumped my uh my my mic. Um for, you know, 75% of the game, I I guess 66% of the game, um played really well. Uh it's just it's just the breakdowns. Like it's the momentum, it's the it's the way that the Jets uh the way that the Jets take make their mistakes are are deadly to them. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I completely agreed. I, I thought it was actually interesting for those of you who are watching the TSN three broadcast with Kevin Sawyer and Dan Robertson. They had Brendan Dillon on between the second and third period. And he literally said that he's like isolated individual turnovers are what's burning us in this game. And I completely agree with him. And it was just the kind of thing that like and I think, you know, someone a couple of people already mentioned Shifley in the chat. And I want to bring him up in this particular context because Shifley was not super great tonight. Um, And I think the thing is, is his defensive deficiencies okay it's a little bit of a tongue twister here are put on blast when you play against teams that are as strong as the Toronto Maple Leafs and that was one thing that I noticed tonight is all of the little things like when the Jets were not super crisp or something with that with the things that they were doing or they weren't super sharp with their you know defensive responsibilities and stuff like that Toronto was on them like white on rice right like that's a fast team they're jumping on those issues and it really exposed mark shifley in particular tonight but a lot of the players in the winnipeg jets that have had their defensive woes this year yeah i like i'm glad that you brought up shifley as well as someone in the chat must have brought him up as you were saying um this was not his game um i think i want to talk at some point about the line switch up but I think we do need to put a little bit of a spotlight on him. Um, two of the goals, two of the three goals uh, in that second period were either directly his fault or he could have directly done something to stop that goal from happening. Uh, and he didn't like, the, you know, I, I thought that tonight, like his his effort defensively wasn't the issue, I would say. I think it was more just specific moments where he just had lapses in judgment. The biggest one by far is the on the power play. Um on the power play, the shorthanded goal that Mitch Marner scores. If if you missed it for some reason, uh Mark Shifley is skating up, you know, as part of the breakout. He has the puck. And as he goes to enter the zone. He, instead of, you know, handing it off to someone, instead of dumping it in, and, you know, we usually harp on dump-ins, but in this case, uh, specifically, um, a dump-in would not have been a bad choice because what happens is Shifley skates directly into two players. He skates into Mitch Marner, and I think you want to say David Kampf, Kampf, however you pronounce his name. Um, and what does he do? In a situation like that where you have no outs, you don't have someone to pass to because you're kind of stuck on the blue line, the best thing to do is just put the puck into a space that is, you know, open. You're not going to have any issues retrieving or, or, you know, you have less uh, issues than uh, two guys skating back the other way, uh, you know, two on one on Connor Hellebuck and, uh, and, and Josh Morrissey. Like the, the idea to try and pull a toe drag to go through two players is a boneheaded minor, like peewee hockey level, I think I'm better than everyone else move. Uh, and 
and he, you know, I, I'm sure of, of all the players, he feels probably the most bad because he, he's an emotional hockey player. But, you know, I, I, I don't think that necessarily he's sitting there thinking he had a great game either. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's just frustrating, man. It really is. Like Shifley is a player you watch and he, he the, the things that he can do with the puck um, are incredible. And it's so frustrating watching him uh, because he's had a resurgent season. He's been really good this year, but always, 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 there are these little tidbits from the Maurice era that kind of soak back into him uh, or, or pop out, I guess, would be a better way to uh, to say that. Absolutely. And I think this is probably a decent segue actually into the other thing we want to talk about with the line specifically, um, because I was actually ready to like, rave about Mark Scheifele if I'm being completely honest with you after watching that opening period because I was so it was so refreshing to see him play with line mates who can skate um and I thought that his particular line tonight in that in that first period like it was so nice to see them like actually generate some stuff and moving up the ice quickly because I love Scheifele and Ehlers as a combo I think that it's got a lot of potential and all that kind of stuff and then after that it just wasn't wasn't Mark Scheifele's night anything like that um but yeah, do you want to talk a little bit about some of the lines that we saw tonight? There was definitely some juggling going on. Bonus brought out the blender. <laughs> For sure. Um, we kind of saw previously, and there was there was some some quotes that came out from Bonus earlier saying, you know, when, when he was kind of asked about Perfetti dropping down to the third line, he was saying, you know, maybe, I don't know if we'll see that for long. It ended up sticking throughout the entire game. Uh, one of the reasons why is, as you said, uh, Shifley now had players to play with. Uh, you know, Nikolai Ehlers dropping down to that line, um, providing some a lot more speed to that line, which is, is I think, someone something that Shifley's been missing. As much as, you know, playing with both uh, Cole Perfetti and Blake Wheeler, um, is great for like the crazy passing plays that you see. Another issue, I think I've said it before, is they get their their production gets kind of bottlenecked with how uh, with their ability to enter the zone. If you play a team that's hard at the blue line, that team is or uh, that line, the the you know um, Wheeler, Shifley, and and Perfetti are not really able to establish possession and get those p- passing plays going. So that kind of bottlenecks their their production. So it was really nice to see, um, uh, you know, Nikolai Ehlers providing a little bit more, uh, you know, help to Mark Shifley. And I think that this is a bit of, of a more balanced, uh, you know, more effective way to uh, play the lineup, I would say. Uh, Morgan Barron, I thought, had an absolutely fantastic game. Um, uh, he was all over the puck. He's fast. As we saw in the in the skills competition, he's the fastest skater on the Jets. I think uh, I think Ehlers wasn't a part of that as well, too. Uh, but I'm surprised he beat out Janssen Fialbi. Um, regardless, though, even just like looking at the metrics, like the Ehlers Shifley Baron line was was 55, almost 56 percent uh, in expected goals. Like despite other than their absolute, you know, uh, ridiculous. Um, what's it called? the the issues that they had the mistakes that were made um this line was was really good tonight and uh, i think i made a tweet earlier on saying something along the lines of um you know if you can play uh one of um what's it called you, you can, if you can play uh well, sorry dubois and connor <laughs> and uh and shifley and ehlers for 40 minutes of a game like that's a really difficult thing for teams to play against um and i think it's it's about just kind of uh, finding the players to fit around them. I thought Baron looked really good um, in that top six. Um, what did you think about the Connor Dubois Wheeler line? 
or or Shifley. I didn't mean to to skip past them. I'll let you. What do you think of the top six? <laughs> yeah, no, like I think you hit the nail on the head with a lot of the things that you, that you mentioned there, and I think that is the one thing, especially for those of us who are the you know I like to look at the charts after the game and stuff like that. Like this game, more than any, almost that I've seen was isolated mistakes as opposed to general overall team play. And I fully agree with that because, yeah, you look at a lot of things that they did. There was so much good that went on. They were just when it mattered and when those particular things happened, like they got exposed and Toronto capitalized on it big time. So fully agree that there was a lot of, um, you know, decent stuff there. And I'm glad, honestly, I think maybe and now that I'm saying it out loud, maybe I'm not um, that Rick bonus didn't switch up the lines when things weren't going right, because I do think you need to let those guys cook a little bit like there. There's some potential there for sure. Um, and, you know, particularly with those lines, like I didn't I don't know the um, did you say? Hold on, I'm confused. Yeah, Connor Dubois <laughs> Wheeler. I thought you said for Freddie Dubois Wheeler, and I was like, that was not a line tonight. Um, I thought they were fine. Like, I didn't particularly note. Like, I thought they were kind of like nothing to write home about, which is again not what you want if you're the best team in your conference, quote unquote, or whatever you want to say. The best team in Canada, if we want to go down that route, while well, we have these fans in the <laughs> chat to get mad about it. Um, your top two lines need to be good. Like all the time and obviously games are outliers it's not whatever but I thought they were kind of mid tonight I don't know but I do want to give both of those lines a little bit more time to uh like there's a word I'm looking for like uh, <laughs> let it let it simmer see see what happens give them some time to to gel I um but also Kaya's in the chat and says Hellbuck all-star I think they just announced who got sent to the all-star game oh, I'm not they? happy about that I know he's an all-star I know he is the all-star but I want to give that man a break why does he have to go if, if he's Can- gonna be in Florida or wherever the All-Star game is, let him sit by the pool for can most you, of the weekend, please. Can you confirm that real quick? And uh, I am going to just say my little piece about the, the other line. Um, with the- Sorry, before that, um, the, one of my chats is going off because Matthews is going to the All-Star game and not... Who? Like, Matthews. Who? And people are like... <laughs> Who's that guy? I don't... I, oh, I, he's I, the guy that Calgary keeps calling up. That's the leading AHL scorer. That, oh, that's him, right? oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I know, I know that guy. Uh, uh, clearly, the Jets didn't know who that guy was because uh, he <laughs> he slipped in behind everyone. How do you leave? Sorry, before I get to that line, how do you leave Austin Matthews open? Not once, not twice, three times. We are lucky. We are lucky that that man did not have a hat trick within like the first what. 10 minutes of the second period like this is the other issue too that i have sorry this i'm going into a whole other tangent then it just it just unlocked my mind palace where i was thinking before um i the 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 jets breakdowns are like like monolithic the the when when the jets have their breakdowns when they get scored against you know we all tout about how they're a better defensive team but when things break down it's bad every single time Every single time that the Jets get scored on and it's like some sort of passing play, I want you to I want you, everyone in this audience to look and tell me how many players are watching the puck before it gets passed. Like I like that's the one thing I, I we we should, you know, as much as you're giving Shifley shit like Pierre-Luc Dubois does not cover Austin Matthews whatsoever on that goal. He just completely loses uh, loses track of everything and is just sitting there puck watching. This was a, another thing that happened a couple games ago. I can't remember who it was against. Uh, it was against Buffalo. It was, it was the bad game against Buffalo. Both goals that the Buffalo Sabres scored were were ones where everyone was just watching the puck and no one was covering people. Um, 
sorry. That that's my my one my my little moment to to critique Dubois. Uh, brutal. You could Absolutely. have more. You could have more. <laughs> Absolutely brutal. And then it happened again, like two minutes later. And luckily he didn't score. But uh, but hey, them's the breaks that, that, you know, the game is what it is. Um, What I was going to say about that line, though, the, the Connor Dubois Wheeler line was that um, Wheeler looks a little out of place on that. In my opinion, if I was making the lines up, I would have probably switched um, where Cole Perfetti was as well as, um, excuse me, uh, Blake Wheeler. The reasoning Rick Bonus said was he wanted to give... Perfetti, bigger bodies to play with to help him, you know, with his offensive zone you know, possession and help him defensively, even though despite that, he's one of the better defensive forwards in the top six. And um, and yeah, <laughs> uh, and also the guys he gave him were Lowry and, and Menelainen, which, by the way, Menelainen. I don't I don't know why this guy's playing anymore um, <laughs> for the Jets. The only value he provides is on the PK. I have no idea why he's playing third line, um, but that's neither here nor there. Back to the line. I thought that that uh, Blake Wheeler was a little flat-footed. There's a lot of times where I think that uh, Dubois and Connor have kind of gotten used to the way that they were playing with Ehlers, where they knew that they could have speed, they could cycle the puck, and so and it just seemed like Blake Wheeler was out of sync. Again, that could just be, you know, it's your first game with these guys. You're still kind of developing that chemistry altogether. Although my main thing is I would rather see Perfetti there, and I think that Wheeler is a guy who in the bottom six. Uh, still can be very effective. And I think that, uh, you know, there's a, a respect between him and Rick Bonus. I think that Rick Bonus could go up to Blake Wheeler and be like, you know, listen, uh, you're going to be playing a little bit less minutes now, but we this is still a very, very important role. We, we love our third line. We're going to still use you a ton. Um, but your first goal is to shut things down defensively. And I think that Blake Wheeler, given those tasks, if, if, you, if, if uh, Rick Bonus sits him down and goes, listen, we don't need you to score anymore. We just need you to be solid defensively uh, and and the scoring will come. I think that Blake Wheeler could could become a much more better defensive forward. I think that he can thrive if he's given a proper role because he just doesn't fit the top six archetype of a player. If the Jets are ever going to go far in the playoffs, it's not going to be with Blake Wheeler in the top six anymore. It's just not. He's unfortunately lost his step. He's a little bit old. Again, I think he's had he's had a pretty great year, especially with all the circumstances considering. Um, I just think that he's a little bit out of place on that line. And I think a guy like Colbert Fetty, you could still get a lot more usefulness out of him in that top six. I think he can probably, um, you know, I just would love to see his vision with uh, with scores like Pierre-Luc Dubois, who can go to the net as well as, you know, obviously Cal Connor, who I, I don't know why I said Pierre-Luc Dubois first. Cal Connor is that, that was a choice for sure. But yeah, <laughs> is the sniper. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. That That's my main bit on those two lines. Uh, I, I, I just think that Wheeler was a little out of place. I'm willing to give him a couple more games. And, and honestly, this is the time where you're testing things out. Uh, I just hope that eventually we come to the conclusion that uh, either he very clearly, uh, you know, is, is not able to stay in that top six or we come to the conclusion eventually that, uh, you know, he, he's been great and he can play in the top six and fantastic. And it's all sunshine and lollipops for the for the Winnipeg Jets in the top six. Wouldn't that be nice? Yeah, no, I think just kind of to that point. Um, <laughs> Sorry. On like. I of the like I think most Jets fans can generally agree as a consensus that the top six forwards in the Winnipeg Jets right now are Ehlers, Shifley, Dubois, Connor, Wheeler, Perfetti. Like those are the six guys. And a lot of us are shouting for another top six winger. 
um, to come in and really help this Jets team up if they actually want to go for it. And so that means someone will get demoted to a third line role. And I think now's the time to start looking at who that's going to be. Perfetti's not my first choice because I, I agree with you that I think you need that player in your top six with guys who can complete his vision passes. And, you know, even if it's not a quote-unquote pass, but like you said, with Pierre-Luc Dubois, I know you made a joke that you mentioned him first, but we need people on the ice with Pierre-Luc Dubois that can actually put the puck in front of the net in the right spots because that guy will bang them home. We know that he's able to do that. That's all to say. Um, we know that when it comes down to home games and line matching and all that kind of stuff, Adam Lowry is going to be going out against the best lines in hockey every single night for the rest of the season while they're trying to, you know, secure their spot in the playoffs and especially in the playoffs. And I don't think Perfetti's the guy to go there because Adam Lowry's line is not going out there expecting to score a goal and no one's expecting that of them. They're going out to just kind of, you know, hold down the fort and just survive so that the teams that actually, pardon me, the lines that actually can score can come out and have more room to do so. So I don't know if Cole Perfetti in that line makes sense for that particular reason, but I think Blake Wheeler does for the same things that you just said. For sure. Um, and, and yeah, it was, were there any other things that you'd like to to speak on as we're getting a little bit lower on time, but we could go a little bit later if we want. Um, was there any, did you have any more act? Did you have any axes to grind is, is my, my yes. cue, my queuing yes. up for you. <laughs> uh, Ladies and gentlemen, uh, Liz is now going to spend 20 minutes talking about Neil Pionk. The floor is yours. <laughs> listen, listen. Okay. My thing with Neil Pionk is that I think it's because there has been... I just... I just... Okay, anyways. The Winnipeg Jets defense has had some really good things going on this year. Obviously, Josh Morrissey has looked fantastic, and Dylan DeMello has been a good stylistic partner for him. Um, they've been able to cycle a couple of the younger guys through, um, all these different kinds of things. Um, but Neil Pionk has just had a little bit of a rough go this year. And, you know, we're we're grasping at straws to be like, oh, hey, his game actually wasn't that bad, this, that, whenever. Neil Pionk never seems to be in the right place when he's on an odd man, not an odd man rush, but when he's backing up defending the play, he always seems to pull the wrong way and he's a little bit slower than he needs to be. There's something that's just so off about this player and it's been off since September. It's been off since the Winnipeg Jets got rid of Derek Forbert. Like, I'm not even joking. Like, ever since Neil Pionk signed his contract, there's been something weird you, you know, going on. You know what? You know what caused it? It was it's it was getting brained by Jason Spezza. Ever <laughs> since that happened, I'm not, I'm not joking. Like, I'm not joking here. Ever since that that happened, he just not, has not been the same. You're you're honestly kind of right. Um, but yeah, that's all that's all to say. I think the thing that's just you know, again, nice guy. I always need to bring in these things because I don't think that he's a bad hockey. He honestly might be a bad hockey player. That's anyways. My frustration with Neil Pionk is that night in night out, he comes out and gives up more than he creates. That doesn't mean plus minus. That doesn't mean goal scoring. It means that he comes out and he has more of a negative impact on the play than positive every single game you watch him out there and it's just very frustrating tonight was exactly the same thing and again my frustrations and julian brought it up in the chat is that billy hanola will make 30 percent of the mistakes that neil pionk makes in the exact same capacities similar offensive mind hockey player who makes the same defensive miscues whatever he does it less than half the time than neil pionk does and yet people come for his head he gets scratched he gets sent down to the moose because he's 21 years old and five foot ten and Neil Pion comes out and makes those <laughs> same weird flubs every single game. And I just am frustrated about it. 
And Julian also mentioned that, yes, Hanolan did play 10 minutes tonight, um, and that was frustrating as well. If you're going to let him play, let him play. Um, I I have so many thoughts about that player, and I do think – and I mentioned to Brayden Jeepers Brady earlier today that, you know, I am 100% guaranteed that one of Dylan Sandberg, Logan Stanley, or Billy Hanola is not going to be Winnipeg Jet after the trade deadline. One of them is going to go, and it's going to be Billy Hanola, and that it is what it is. You got an asset. Hopefully someone else can use him and, and make him into a hockey player or something. I don't know. But all that is to we'll, say. We'll see on you that. Can't, go ahead. Sorry. I, <laughs> no, I was going to say, you can't have a guy come out on your second pairing every single night and play as not well as Neil Pionk does, and it's frustrating to me. Yeah, it, it's it's tough. And I and I want to give Pionk his due because he does bring things to the Jets sometimes that they need. <laughs> and and I don't want to rag on him because I know I understand that we are we are Hinola fans. And so there's a certain bias that we have, and I want to be aware of that. I I do. But I think that what you said in regards to it always seems like he's in the wrong spot at the wrong times is almost exactly the it. Um for me, it, it it seems like he, well, first of all, I think he is dealing with some sort of injury. Something about his skating is off. Like something just doesn't seem correct for him in, in regards to his skating specifically. And I don't think that the brain that he has has understood that he's maybe lost a step. I don't want to say that he's like, I, I don't think that it's proper to use the term loss a step, um, but I think that he just maybe isn't as uh, agile as fast as he used to be he doesn't have the same type of stride something is off about his skating and I don't think that that has clicked with him in regards to how he plays uh, on the ice because there are certain times where you see he's you know when when Neil Pionk is playing his best he's activating a lot and he's being really good in the offensive zone Um, the issue is that on the back end, when he goes to make plays on players, when uh, you know when the play is coming towards him, sometimes he will make a play, even at like the point where he thinks that he has the step, then he's able to get in into um, you know the way of the player, but they are able to just chip it around him or pass it off to someone, and then he's left flat flat footed, and then Brendan Dillon is left there with a two on one to deal with to try and sprawl out and help Connor Hellebuck with uh, or Nate Schmidt or whoever he's playing with, um, but also on top of that. Uh, I, I I think the 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 skating issue has is also affecting his his offense because there are times where he will have the puck. Um, you know the Jets have been really good at playing the with the open ice um, near the blue line. A lot of teams like to try and give teams you know that ice because it's better to obviously cover the front of the net. Um, and the Jets have done well with creating offense from their D men. Um, but the issue is that sometimes if, if I feel like Neil Pionk puts himself into spots where, you know, maybe he's going to have to make some sort of move on a player to get out of it. Uh, and he just doesn't have the ability to anymore. Again, I think that this is is uh, not necessarily an issue with the player specifically. I think there's something that is nagging him injury wise. And, you know, there's a difference between hurt and being injured, uh, as I think Blake Wheeler once said. Um, but I think that he's playing hurt. Something is off. Uh, so I, you know, this would be a guy who I would not be surprised to see, you know, next year something clicks and he's, you know, magically better. And maybe it could just be an off season of healing. Um, but at the moment he is not playing up to his contract and he is actively caught part of the big breakdowns that we see on the defensive end. Um, and, and unfortunately he's just also in the defensive end, not playing 
as well. Like he's the one thing I'll give Billy Hinola as as like a, a you know, and I'm trying to be as as non biased as possible in the defensive zone. Whenever he's in front of the net, because I think he has to in order to prove himself, he is always always on the guy whether he's giving them cross checks in the sides whether he's lifting their stick he's always at least trying always. something i don't think i've ever seen a time where Billy is not uh at least aware of what's going on in front of the net whereas neil pionk for example and some of the other guys uh who you know we we've you know t- you know roasted a little bit here and there uh like a logan stanley sometimes they get again uh, another uh, i'm gonna say it again the issue is is puck watching uh, Neil Pionk sometimes gets in a trance and just can't look away from the puck and does not realize that there's a player in front of the net or he'll go to try and help his defenseman behind the net and leave the net wide open in front. And that's my big issue with him is that I think he does still provide some offense. He still does provide something to the Jets and I understand why they like him because, you know, the glamoury slap shot goals stick in people's mind. But for me, for me, and I'm sure it's the same for you, Liz, what sticks in my mind is every time I'm sitting there pulling my hair out, going, what are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? Anyways, that's yeah, my absolutely. spiel on him. <laughs> yeah, and just like two points on that. Like I think the Villa, like and the Villa handle thing, like you can look at a heat map of any league that he's played in and it's effective, right? Like there there needs to be that attention being paid to the player in front, because that's something that like that's how you score on goalies as good as Connor Hellebuck is you get those awkward deflections in front that no one can see coming. And those don't happen if you're able to effectively take that player out, whether it's through, yeah, like a cross check or something like that, or just actually effectively lifting their stick. And the last thing I will say on this is, like you said, like there is a genuine chance that he's actually like hurt or something because of just how seemingly odd this everything is. But the thing is, I don't care why it's happening. The output on the ice is still the same thing. Like, you know, we can give excuses this out, whatever, but you know, if the player is out there, it's the same thing when you see a player, you can't stack that and be like, oh, it's okay because he's hurt. It's hurting the team. So get off the ice if you are unwell and genuinely. And I mean that for the player's safety as well. Like if if there's actually something wrong with this player, like he can't be playing hockey because it's just going to, it's not, it's never going to get better and it could probably get worse. So I, I just want to point out, I just want to point out that Matt Dumba was a healthy scratch the other night. Not, no, no, sorry, not your eyes lit up like I was suggesting a trade. I was not. I was just saying that you can hold your players accountable. You can say, hey, man, you didn't play well. You're sitting this game. Uh, Or if there is some sort of injury, some sort of, uh, you know, something that he's playing through, let him have a night off. It's a long season. Seriously. If if the Jets are going to have success, they're going to need whether it's uh, they're going to need someone in their top four to be they're going to need their top four to be good, which includes Neil Pionk. Um, mm-hmm. So at this point, you know, I, I wonder what the conversations are internally. I wonder how Rick Bonus feels about this. I personally would love to see, uh, you know, some of the media kind of p- push a little bit more on, you know, what they think about him. Um, but also, I don't want to brand the media as having some sort of sort of agenda because that's not it. It's not that deep, everyone. Um, the last thing I just want to add right before is about um, like a, a random thought on that is I fully agree. And I do think that's actually going to be one thing that we will see a little bit of a shift in the NHL um, in the next couple of years is that whole concept of load management 
and yeah. resting guys when they're healthy just for the sake of resting them because it's the only you only see it right before the playoffs but i genuinely think we're going to see a little bit of a transition towards that as game like as the game continues to become of a higher quality and players need to be at their best at all times. I do think we're going to start seeing more of that. And I think it's a fantastic strategy because at the end of the day, like obviously players can be game changers and stuff like that, but in an 82 game season, like that's a lot of hockey to play over the course of six months or whatever it is. I do think it's something that needs to start happening for the sake of the players and for the sake of just like generally for the game. Absolutely. I I completely agree. Uh, All right. It's time we shut it down here. Uh, Everyone, thank you all for joining us here. Uh, Please, please, if you're here, give us a like on the stream. It really helps us with the old algorithm on YouTube thing. Uh, Make sure to obviously subscribe to SDPN, follow them on Twitter, uh, follow myself uh, uh, at NHL Chunky uh, on Twitter as well. And then Liss, L-Y-S-S-H-O-U-D-E on uh on twitter as well uh we thank you all for tuning in hopefully uh we get a bit of a better game uh was it saturday that's saturday saturday, saturday against the uh against the sends list will be here with a with a very fun guest uh a very that is no longer happening that's so. no longer happening okay well we'll talk after this i've I got something in mind if you need so okay well look at this little little business chat online anyways yeah. that a little, <laughs> little peek behind the scenes uh anyways thank before you before we log off before oh, we log off right the winnipeg jets are canada's team they are canada's team. <laughs> <laughs> man and i'm we're bummed that steve couldn't join us tonight and that we didn't have a leaves guest with us to just jump in on this whole little brother complex thing and just go go nuts on the Leafs because it's so freaking fun um but I think this is a ton of fun to, to jump in with Brady we always enjoy doing these shows together and a little bit of banter here and there and letting us kind of you know cook on a couple of these players but yeah on to better games like I found, said in the chat. I found it very funny that uh that everyone started dunking on me after the game had started uh, oh my god that you That's know so people Austin Matthews owns your <laughs> franchise girl Austin Matthews has 20 goals this year like what are we I don't know. I don't know. Uh, and how many do uh, Mark Shifley and uh, Kyle Connor have? Uh, I wonder. Anyways, not the point. This is going over time. Thank you all for tuning in. Have yourselves a wonderful day. Uh, see you all on Saturday. Uh, go, uh, go, Jets, go. Game over. Powered by Sports Interaction, Canada Sportsbook.